Welcome. Is it going? It's on. Welcome. Welcome to Tough Shit, episode three. Three. We've already <laughs> lost count. <laughs> yeah, we're that good. We don't even need numbers. What are we talking about today, Corey? Today's episode is garbage. Oh, what an appropriate topic for the week after the election. <laughs> awesome. Ha, ha, yeah, ha. That's very true. I've got some puns for you today. Oh, I cannot wait. So uh, this has actually been really interesting to read about trash. Yes. Um, I've found some things out I didn't know about. I've been reading about ancient trash. Um, I've been reading. Oh, I read a story about uh, um, the highest dump in the world, Mount Everest. Do you know how much trash is there? I've heard a lot of people haul all their shit it's up insane. there all the time. It's absolute insanity. Yeah, it's it's a thing with garbage. Is it affects everybody, rich, poor, everyone. We all make it's, it. A lot of it too. A lot of people like like have to deal with it, have to live with it, and it's something civilization has dealt with for forever. Very, very, very long time. Pretty much. It's like reading about those ancient trash heaps, they use them to uh, like determine how civilizations ended. Like they can date oh, them yes. when they stop putting trash in these giant piles, uh-huh. like 1,500, 2,000-year-old piles of trash. Um, but, I mean, just in the past week, just, well, I guess the past two weeks, I think about it every time I throw something away now, you know? I try to be yes. better at recycling. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The, uh, the other day, Mandy gave me permission to throw out peanut butter jars because they're too hard to rinse out. <laughs> you got to let them soak. That's the trick. Well, I just don't like doing it. <laughs> but I, so Doing I, your part. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to clean them out. I've yet to clean one out, so we'll see if it actually happens or not. Yeah. Do you have any sort of personal hardships involved? I have trash? a story that uh, I reminds me uh, of trash that comes to mind. And it's it's not so much trash per se, but it, it is, it's leftover stuff. Well, my brother had a grad party in the late 90s. And we were tasked with cleaning it up a couple days later. At the party, they did uh, chickens, did barbecued chickens. And we had lined coolers, of like uh, foil-lined coolers to keep all these chickens warm. Well, an entire cooler of chicken got kind of like stuffed behind a couple things and forgotten about for three or four days in the August heat of summer. <laughs> well... <laughs> We we opened it up for like a split second. We're like, nope, nope, this is getting dumped. And we had to go, like, when we took it down to the dump, we didn't, like, they wouldn't even let us dump it there. We had to go dump it out, out of town. <laughs> at a, they wouldn't let you dump it at the dump? Like, no, because it's organic. I don't know. They they had organic stuff in the 90s? I don't know. It, that's I recall I we, had to go, we had to go dump it separately from the garbage. Oh. So we had to dump this fucking cooler full of disgusting rotten chickens out somewhere else so that's what comes to mind when i think of like we were having to clean up all this trash and it was a massive party anyway and what was the the worst thing about it was days later a cooler full of old chickens i think that's a perfect example of how easy we've got it that's yeah that, that's, that's the hardship is that you had to throw some chicken out i was remember a story at, uh when when i used to work with you the uh oh, at the, the place I can't mention? The the diaper landfill. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. so, someone was illegally dumping trash on our property out in the boonies, and we found out who it was, and we literally, it was so disgusting. It was all 
nasty. It was diapers. It was diapers. It I had to go pick it up. Dog food. It was shit. Well, yeah, you you went up and looked, and we're like, no way. Yeah, that was we, one of we, the few times I said no. Yes, that I've got a shred disgusting. of dignity. <laughs> <laughs> that went over the line. Good Christ. Yeah, we had to get an excavator and a truck and disgusting. Go get it fixed. Like go dig it up. It's gross how much trash how much trash we produce. Yeah, each of us. Mm-hmm. It's fucking disgusting. I well, I, I said the U.S. makes 150 to 200 million tons of trash a year. Really? Yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so there's a lot of chances for something to go wrong involving garbage making a hardship, but it's a lot of trash to deal with. And I know, I guess it is modern times, but I know there's the giant floating garbage thing out. Oh, the, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Between that and. There was, what, a famous barge in the 80s? Had... Oh, don't tell me you know about that. You don't know about it, right? I, I don't vaguely... don't know very much no, about it. No, I, I, I know a little bit about it. That's... Not to say that that's my story. Really? But that's my story. <laughs> okay, have you heard of that before? I have heard of it, the yes. Long, the 1987 Long Island garbage barge? Floated around a while. Ooh. Okay. Okay. All so right. Anyway, you want to? Oh, well, do you want to start? Uh, or do you want to go first? I was gonna say. Well, before we start our stories, real quick. Wait. What do you? What? What do you want? What do you want? Oh no. You know what? No, I had a hardship, but it'll work better in a minute. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, before we dig into our stories, if you mm-hmm. like our show, tough shit, be sure to give us a follow and tell all your buddies. And if you have an Instagram, we are at TS Podcast Official. I forgot to say all that shit when we started this thing, so. Why not awkwardly drop it before we start our story? <laughs> I might have to get an Instagram. Yeah? Yeah. I got rid of it. Oh, okay. But I can try again. Yeah. It's it's fun, I guess. Well, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I picked the Long Island garbage barge. All right. And the reason I picked it was because it just happened to come up when I was, you know, looking stuff up. But it does relate to a hardship of mine. Yes. And you know about this oh your personal like, story like three weeks ago yeah i love this phone and call. The re- yeah i the reason you know is because i called you as soon as it happened it's no it's not abnormal for me to leave the house and then come back within five minutes and yes. Corey lives out front of me so i'm sure i see time, him all the time yep he'll, i'll back drive by forth, his window back and forth and i'll be back in like two minutes <laughs> and so it's tough for me to do pretty much anything and i had to go to the dump i go to the dump every saturday i like going to the dump i enjoy it um, I like, I don't know. There's a couple people there that are real friendly. I like telling them that I've got two. You're, you're chummy with the dump. Yeah. Huh? I got, I like, I'm always like, oh, I got, I got well, two. They say trash is drawn to trash. Oh, come on. <laughs> I said, I always, I like pulling up and I go, I've got two small bags of trash uh-huh. and recyclables. And like, they know that they don't need to tell them that every, that they know, they see the Corolla coming and they know <laughs> they check off my thing and I just have a great time. So last was it two three weeks ago i went i pull up i don't have my dump ticket so i had to turn around and drive home and go inside and mandy's not surprised at all and she's like you forget your dump ticket i said i did forget my dump ticket so i turn around leave go back to the dump give him my dump ticket do my trash do recyclables or actually the other way around and then i get done i start pulling out and i go to fart because i'm just thrilled and if you were looking for an episode of tough shit where i don't poop somewhere weird today's not the day i shit my pants 
not <laughs> real, not real bad. A little like, sharp. Yes, okay. but enough. Like I had to drive home on my hip and like hobble into the house. Mandy kind of gave me this like knowing laugh, uh-huh. and she just like did you poop your pants. I did poop my pants, so I got changed, left, went to Kohl's. But how this relates to the story is, I made taking trash from one spot to another very difficult. So yes, yeah, so that's that's your first world woe with dealing with garbage. Yes. Okay. All right, I'm gonna try not to sniffle into it. All right. So <clears throat> have I got a story for you? A story that you've already heard, apparently. Just a tiny bit. I, I've, I don't know the backstory. I've heard of it. That's well, it. If if it if makes you, you did, feel any better, you probably know my story. You think so? Oh yeah, you've heard it. Okay. Well, don't tell me yet. Okay. Um, well, if if you didn't know this story and I started telling you about it, you'd think that maybe I was confused and I did another vacation story. Okay. Because think about it this way, it has it all. 6,000-mile cruise, oh, a stop in Belize, mobsters, murder, tugboats, Jimmy Hoffa, and even a talking jaguar. <laughs> Come on. Seriously. All right. Yep. Get All into right. it. Let's, Let let's hear this. On. I'm All excited. Right. So we're going to start with the guy who this all kind of stems from. Um, we're going to go way back. Way back. To a time without dirty glances from your neighbor when you didn't separate the clear glass from the colored glass. Take the tin lids off the empty jars of minced garlic or took a heavy boot to dozens of Sunny D bottles to make sure that they all fit in that black 30-gallon leaf bag you'd toss in the back of your Pontiac station wagon with a maniacal laugh. Grab the kids. Grab the dogs. Grab your wife. Roll down the windows. It's trash day. (laughs) Just don't shit your pants. Don't don't shit your pants with your family in the car. Okay, it's 1987, and you're going to the dump. You and your family are cruising down the open road with the windows down and smiles the size of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. You're high-fiving litterers and hobos out your open windows while spraying confetti onto the blacktop with no one is even there to bother picking it up. Recycling? Ha! More like, blow me, losers. You pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) This is a lot of fluff. Yeah. Modern. Okay, but okay. This this may be a little exaggerated version of trash disposal trash disposal in the eighties in the great U.S. of A. But it was definitely a very far cry from what our typical trip to the dump is today. And believe it or not, what we do naturally now with our refuse and recyclables can be traced back to a very specific event in 1987. And even further from there, could owe us some thanks to some very entrepreneurial lobsters on Long Island. But beyond even that. Let's give credit where credit is due to a man by the name of Lowell Harrelson. Lowell Harrelson is a man who I judged immediately as a shifty and horny shitbird after the first interview I watched with him. (laughs) Sounds like a great guy. The the southern drawl, the easy laugh, him being 85 and his wife appearing to be about the age which I would have graduated from college had I finished. Easy to make assumptions. But goddamn, if I'm not a sucker for an accent and some admittedly genuine-sounding humility. And even after switching to interview transcripts, which was great, by the way. I'd recommend doing that. Okay. <clears throat> to avoid being charmed by the man's voice, I'm still impressed by his ability to talk about this tremendous fuck-up without embarrassment and with an all-around positive attitude. Lowell grew up in Bruton, Alabama, in a family of sharecroppers. He grew up farming and prides himself on using every resource that they had. 
actually producing very little trash themselves. Oh, fuck me, Ronnie. This is already going to go way past 10 minutes. Um, so let's fast forward to Lowell after he graduates, graduates college with an engineering degree and gets into his career in contracting. Creeping into the 80s, Lowell is a crafty guy always on the lookout for a new opportunity to strike it rich. With a finger on the pulse of new trends, he turns his gaze toward, toward some rank, rank work. Garbage. Namely, capturing methane gas from landfills to use as a renewable energy. I've heard, yeah, that, that's a very viable thing. I've I didn't about. know anything about this. Oh, really? I don't know yeah. anything at all. <laughs> this is very helpful to me, you and I doing this. Yeah. So, the shit we learned. That's, yeah. That's so useful. <laughs> now, alternative and renewable energy was starting to really take off in the 80s once, once ethanol from cornstarch um, started to be blended in with gasoline. Uh, maybe some methane might be on the same path. Lowell had a plan. Now all he needed was some trash. Naturally, his gaze shifted northward to New York City. This is America. And like any large group of opportunists and whores, everything is for sale. This is, goes especially so for trash coming out of New York in 1987. Yeah. Think about it this way. And this is... Uh, the numbers, is, it's just insane. This, like, okay, New York City collects about 12,000 tons of garbage every day. That's modern day or 1987? Modern day. Okay. Actually, this came out, where I got this was from 2006, uh -huh. but it's about the same. <clears throat> Close. Um, of course, that doesn't include commercial garbage, which is collected by private waste management companies. So let's put that number closer, like, closer to, like, 24,000 tons Damn. a day Damn. from one city. Mm -hmm. And what's New York City like? 30 square miles or 34 square miles? Not very big. Not very big. No. But anyway, so it's, you know, 40, that's about 40 million pounds of garbage a day. So anyway, back to buying trash from assholes. Lowell needed a lot of filth to get filthy rich. And New York City had a serious problem with too much trash and dwindling options for where it could go. Not to say that there wasn't really room for it to be hidden away. There was. But due to regulations, thousands of landfills were being shut down or their quantities of trash capped. This left the New York City area desperate to be rid of their own garbage. Which brings us to the Islip landfall on landfill, not a landfall. <laughs> God. And, and landslides horrible. <laughs> if nothing else, writing this stuff, uh -huh. I've discovered that I... Write a lot of run-on sentences. Yeah. And they're tough to read. Yep. Okay. So on to Islip Landfill <laughs> on Long is Island. <laughs> Words are hard. Islip, Long Island, Lowell, a lot of L's. All right. So Lowell's plan was to purchase a little over 3,000 tons of trash from Islip and have it shipped to Moorhead, North Carolina to be buried in Jones County and start farting out garbage heaps of methane-fueled cash. Easy, breezy, methane-squeezy. But first... He needed capital. And who controls trash in New York? The mob. Yes, the mob. Especially back in the 80s, oh, 70s, man. and 80s. Oh, yeah. Not so much now, but, yeah, lazy shitheel mobsters <laughs> who, couldn't who couldn't work a real job if they were promised a plate of spaghetti every hour. Okay. <laughs> real quick, probably no real mobsters listening to this, but if you are, just chill the fuck out. I've got, like... Jokes. Third, yeah, jokes. Yeah. And I've got like a third Don't Italian in me. Yeah. yeah, I'm not that concerned. And I got German Irish too. So if any of this bothers so you. So you get to make fun of everyone, right? Everyone. <laughs> Everybody. 
I, I'll yeah, try not. Who did I insult last time? The English, right? Oh yeah, and yes. I butchered the Chinese accent. Yep, yep. Just a disclaimer: I don't hate any of these people. I like pretty much everybody. So anyway, agreed. But uh, leave me alone if you're a lobster. <laughs> Sorry. Quickly, okay. Again, why is waste management synonymous with the mob? This is something I've always wondered. Yeah. It's, it's a big surprise. It's easy to use the industry to hide shady shit. So, to iterate, if I touch a nerve with any real mobsters, I'm sorry, really, don't hurt me. I'm already intimidated. I cow easily. We'll move on. That being said, <laughs> mobsters seem to be attracted to sources of income that don't really require any actual work. Uh, drugs, guns, racketeering, etc. Any way that they could wrestle money into their pockets through violence and intimidation. They're not good with paperwork. All right. Yeah. Gangsters have been involved in trash industry since the mid-century. Mostly Irish-American and Italian-American mobsters that took advantage, of a, took advantage of a growing need for private trash removal as the levels of garbage that America produced rocketed upwards towards that big pizza pie in the sky. Why gather capital and fill out paperwork necessary for a new business venture when you can just hijack their competitor's garbage truck rig bids for trash removal contracts or beat your more legitimate colleagues to death with your big dumb hands. <laughs> Cause that's professional. Yeah. Because <clears throat> fuck paperwork. Yeah, integrity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope none of my Italian family listens to this. <laughs> okay. When your body turns up in a bowl of marinara, <laughs> I'll know why. <laughs> uh, what do they do? Carve you into a potato? <laughs> All right. Corey's Irish. Ish. So, <laughs> follow, following Lowell's long gaze back to the Islip landfill on Long Island, we find the man that ran the trash removal business there at the time. Here comes her first accent. Oh, boy. Bring it on. Salvatore Avellino. Huh? <laughs> what the fuck was that? It was Italian. Oh, sure. Okay. So, without getting... Any more distracting than we already have. Uh, Salvatore was, I don't know if it's Salvatore or Salvatore. We'll just call him Salvatore. Salvatore. Sal. Sal. Well, I actually end up calling him Sal. Oh, okay. Because we're on first name basis now. Oh, I'm sure. Salvatore Salvatore <laughs> was a mob boss with the Lucchesi family. He was also a chauffeur. I don't know how that works exactly. How you're a mob boss and a chauffeur. Maybe it's like Guido undercover boss kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, which I think we slur. should we should pitch <laughs> if this doesn't take off. Okay, uh. so either way, for Lowell to get his garbage out of Long Island and on its way to North Carolina, he needed not only to shake the right hands and rub the right backs, he needed investors. And Salvatore fit both those needs, which also event. Okay, yeah, he actually did go to prison eventually for murdering two garbage men. Damn. Yeah, I know. Um, which you really only mentioned because it makes this story a little more exciting. <laughs> also, with the utmost respect to these two men's families, I can only imagine that Salvatore brought an end to these poor bastards on an episode of Guido Undercover Boss. After spending a night on the curb disguised as a zero-sort bin and gunning down these unfortunate souls in the next morning during their route, after maybe hearing them insult his mother on hidden camera or whatever other slight mobsters consider a killing insult. But either way, the stars align, and Lowell and Salvatore, oh, Sal, finally meet. They agree to terms over dinners and rides in Sal's Cadillac. And the wheels finally start spinning to get this trash on its merry way to North Carolina. But, speaking of wheels, real quick. Okay. Um, I promised talking Jaguar, didn't I? 
You did, yes. Okay. So here you go. Sale at the time was also a chauffeur for Anton. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Antonio Carollo, which Carollo, Carollo, which I have been saying Corolla the whole time, like a Toyota car. Yeah, because I was trying to do a joke where you fit a Corolla inside of a Jaguar, but that's not it. It's Corallo. <laughs> so Sal drove him around in 1982 Jaguar. This is worth mentioning for Tony's nickname alone. They called Antonio Corallo Tony Ducks because he was always ducking the law. That's it. Simple. Just like most mobsters. I'd like to say that in reading all this stuff, the one redeeming quality in mobsters is their love of puns. So keep them coming. (laughs) So the Jaguar was kind of like Kit from Knight Rider. If the FBI tore Kit's dashboard apart and crammed it full of bugs to listen in on whatever shady German shit David Hasselhoff was really up to. (laughs) But in this case... It was a jag that recorded enough shady Italian shit to eventually bring down all five mob families in New York. Really? Mm-hmm. Damn. Hence, the talking jaguar. Uh, yeah, another winning mobster pun. Yeah. But enough about cars. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Well, Lowell well, didn't need them. Garbage trucks? Huh? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, so he didn't need roads. He needed a barge and a tugboat. And keep in mind that at this time, Most trash was hauled by trucks. Shipping trash over the open ocean was a new idea. And as we'll see, the imagery of 3,000 tons of refuse on the clean blue of the water caused a bit of a stir. The barge that Lowell rounded up for the task you may have heard of was called the Mobro 4000. And the tiny tug that would haul it down the coast was the break of dawn. So, they're leaving now. They're leaving the city. He's got his barge. And on March 22nd of 1987... The Mobro 4000 and the break of dawn set sail under the proud and watchful eye of Lowell himself. He watched from the docks of Long Island, presumably with a gleam in his eye, as his 12 million pounds of unwanted, stinky trash sailed away toward the horizon and drifted past Ellis Island like a shitty reverse immigrant's dream of coming to America. (laughs) (laughs) What a sight to behold. I think... Give me your tired, your poor, your used diapers, your old frisbees, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. All seemed well. USA. <laughs> this is a real patriotic story. Oh, yeah. Uh, all seemed well. This, the first of many trips from Islip, many profitable trips from Islip. Law would be rich, sail on the mob even richer. What could possibly go wrong? Just about everything. Now, let's remember that at the time, uh, trash was moved from state to state almost exclusively via trucks. And as I said before, seeing on the pristine open ocean was something else entirely. Trash is trash. But inside a tractor trailer that looks just the same as the one behind it, hauling 10,000 cans of Cool Whip, is a far cry from 3,000 tons of garbage floating by at a snail's pace, surrounded by seagulls shitting all over it. This drew quite a crowd. It also drew a lot of press. By the time the barge was approaching its destination at Moorhead, North Carolina, it had a lot of people riled up. Some claimed that they had, from afar, seen a bedpan crammed among the heaps of filth that was heading for their shore. This was never confirmed, but even in in an age before our own current trash heap that is the internet, it didn't need to be. Now, suddenly, the Mobro 4000 wasn't just a barge full of everyday garbage, scrap paper, and the like. It was, in the minds of North Carolina residents, a bringer of death filled to the brim with medical waste and New York City rodents the size of chihuahuas. Instead of being greeted with open arms by the Jones County landfill like expected, 
Duffy St. Pierre, French guy. But you got a shitty accent for him too. No, I didn't even try. <laughs> Can you do a French accent? No. We? Oui? We? Oui? I don't know. Baguette. So. <laughs> Baguette? Cigarette? I don't, I don't know. know. Mime? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Striped shirt? Jesus. Okay. So Duffy St. Pierre, the captain of the Break of Dawn, was told by North Carolina that he was no longer welcome and that he'd better just move along. Well, shit. Now what the fuck was he going to do? Duffy slowly turned around and headed as far from shore as he could and just sat. Plans were going to have to change. The Mobro sat offshore waiting to hear who might take them in next, circled by the occasional news helicopter who, brandishing a skill with puns that even Long Island mobsters would be proud of, supplied the public with minute-to-minute update on the, you ready? Yeah, let's hear it. The garbage. The garbage. Yeah. That's I didn't come up with it. I know. I was I <laughs> That's that's a good one. Yeah, that's why I wrote ha afterward. Remember <laughs> to laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, okay, so before long, another suitor was found for the garbage. Florida. Now Florida is no stranger to taking in New York's used up and unwanted burdens of society, but usually it shows up in motorhomes or on golf carts. The Mobro was not met on the shores of Florida with gin and tonics and complimentary life alerts, but with an angry crowd of thousands with entirely too much time in front of the TV following the story all the way down the coast. Foiled again, the Mobro had to move on. Maybe Alabama would show a little mercy on Duffy and his now exhausted and unwashed crew. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This went oh, on God, for this months. This must be horrible. I mean, that's you're not showering. You're no. on a tugboat. Full of trash. Yeah. Or hauling a barge full of trash. I think the whole trip took like three or four months. No showers. I think there were three of them on the boat. But either way, Alabama, unsurprisingly at this point, told Duffy St. Pierre to stuff it. Lowell's morale by now was understandably a little low. (laughs) But he was still responsible for this floating national joke that he was the butt of. His next port of call was Louisiana, and the break of dawn began to haul the Mobro up the, up the Mississippi like a slow, unwashed nephew whose parents had tragically passed and was quickly running out of extended family to dump him on. <laughs> that uh, poor kid. I, no, you just feel bad for it now. It's probably point. what there's probably some kid listening to this right now. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the rest of Shocker, though. Yeah. Louisiana didn't want him either. So, the break of dawn and the Mobro ended up on the old Mississippi, tied to a cypress tree like a great, fat, retarded Huck Finn. And I know I'm not supposed to say retarded, but let's just... <laughs> so say it twice. I'm Well, let's, let's just pretend for a minute that this podcast is a game of golf and this is my mulligan, okay? Sure. All right. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Where to next, Duffy? Mexico? Sure. Why not? Mexico welcomed the Mobro with its navy. And by welcome, I mean they told it to fuck off back to its own country. (laughs) Which was shocking, considering how welcoming we usually are to desperate Mexican immigrants. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come right in. Open arms. Uh, Oh, well. Okay. The break of dawn continued to usher its increasingly rank cargo down through the Gulf of Mexico, sailing between Cancun and Havana, looking for a final resting place in Belize. Now, at this point, the Mobro has been floating in the Gulf for like three months. It's covered in awfulness, even more than when it originally left New York. It limps toward Belize like a barely alive shipwrecked victim who's already eaten one of its own legs. 
Garbage barge eyes wet and crazy with delirium. Arms outstretched as sweet, sweet Belize to take him into her warm embrace and to hold him as he weeps into her bosom and strokes his hair and tells him he's okay. It's over. He's home. Only it doesn't happen that way. Uh, Clarity washes over the Mobro <laughs> and the break of dawn and her crew in the form of a couple of fighter jets. This is real. Come on. Seriously. I didn't know Belize had jets, but they do. Uh, in the form of a couple of fighter jets, jets that quickly make Duffy very aware that his carcass of a vessel need depart as swiftly as she can. By this time, the break of dawn was used to pre- used. Oh, excuse me. Well, that's wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> did you proofread that? I, oh, God, Mandy did. All right, she didn't. I did. Uh. I missed that. But by this time, the break of dawn was used to pursuit by a news chopper. Yeah, But the Air Force was another thing entirely. She, once again, very slowly turned the Mobro around and started heading back north. As, as one last insult on this useless trek, uh, Cuba threatened to sink the Mobro with artillery fire as it passed. <laughs> That's one way to get rid of it, yeah. I guess. <laughs> as it passed, if it gave any sign of trying to dock at its ports. Duffy had no intention of doing so. As At this point, he finally, He's finally, fucked. well, no. Okay. Found a home. Finally been given his final bearing. Finally, after a trip that's been lasting for months and covered practically the entire length of the continent, someplace was willing to take him in and uh, and the Mobro. Her final port of call was to be the Islip Landfill on Long Island. The break of dawn and the, and the Mobro sulked their way back to New York with its tail between its legs and the whole world laughing at its back. The story of this lost barge was what ended every nightly newscast on a light note. A little chuckle for you and the fam after you've watched the weather. The Mobro even made it to Johnny Carson's desk as he recommended she change course and sail on up to Iran and offload her unwanted cargo there. <laughs> Do you uh, get a joke I don't get because I was two at the time we didn't like Iran? Not very popular back in the late 80s. I gotta no. read more history. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> Iran and the I mean, it's, it's like today, it's really not not on the best terms, but a, a lot of that really kicked off in the 80s. Okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. A hostage crisis. And... Oh, agro. Right, oh, the one where Ben Affleck yeah, saved everybody. Oh well, yeah, I'd better mention a movie, and you might know. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> even- <laughs> go on. Huh. Eventually, the Mobro limped its way back into New York Harbor, past Lady. Le- La- oh, that was. Oh, that was close. Pat, let's say it right now. Yeah, Lady Labia. I mean, Lady. Lady- Libya lady. Libya lady. Yeah. Lady Liberty. Yeah. Once again. But she didn't even want her. The Mobro and the Break of Dawn were ordered to set anchor off the coast of the city and wait. Turns out that the residents in New York City are perfectly fine housing their own rats, but inflated stories of tropical vermin aboard the barge had them thinking twice about letting the Mobro return its trash to where it had all come from in the first place. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Long Island relented in the Islip landfill opened its gates to welcome the weary traveler home. But not before a judge determined the trash was instead needed to be cremated and was sent to Brooklyn, where it was burned. (laughs) Its ashes drifting away like a shitty trash funeral. Duffy St. Pierre dressed in black, trying not to cry. Not really. I'm I'm sure he was super upset. I don't think he really gave a fuck at that point. He probably just wanted a shower. Um, Before the Mobro was unloaded, 
Officials scoured its contents looking for the alleged medical waste and, of course, found none. Most of what was there was just typical household garbage. In fact, a lot of it was just scrap paper and at least one yo-yo. I did find a photo of that. The gar- <laughs> Only one yo-yo. Now- the entire barge full of garbage. <laughs> found one yo-yo. Uh, okay. Yeah, so the garbage aboard the gar barge was determined harmless before it was torch and the entire journey seemed like a tremendous waste of time resources and lowell and sales money but the lasting effect of the six thousand mile fuck up is one that we still feel very strongly even today whether this is a story you've heard of or not every time you go to the dump you see its effects lowell may not have been thrilled with the end results but this mad trip up and down the coast brought a lot of attention to america's growing trash problems as the mobra was sitting off the coast of new york city greenpeace say what you will, but Greenpeace paddled out to the barge and covered it in a huge banner that read, next time, try recycling. And we did, and still do. The recycling movement skyrocketed after the Gar Barge returned home and has consistently climbed since then and up until today. The lasting legacy of this flying Dutchman of debris, I think, is that afterwards, people started to look at the trash they produce in a new way. There was a real weight to it. People who never gave recycling a second thought were starting to make it just another part of their weekly routine. Yeah. If you see this thing on the news every single day just floating around. If it's right in front of you. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like I said, in a truck. Don't don't think about it. No, yeah. You don't don't barely see it. It's compacted in there and it drives right by. But when it's going 15 miles an hour down the entire continental U.S. So I think recycling is probably the lesson to take away from all this. But I can't stop thinking of the image of this guy in a hazmat suit holding up that discarded yo-yo. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real lesson here is not to give up on your dreams. Someone, somewhere, gave up on that yo-yo. How many failed around the worlds or walk the dogs did it take before that lonely yo-yo was tossed away in frustration? Whose was it, I wonder? <laughs> maybe it was Sal's, or maybe it was Tony Duck's. Maybe it was Corey's. Whoever it belonged yep, to. Yeah, it was mine. <laughs> I threw that you threw that son of a bitch out. You would have been three. Yeah. I, right? I could see me throwing a yeah. I would have been three, yeah. On a trip to New York. I didn't go there till about a decade well, later. Well, it but. doesn't matter. So maybe, uh, whoever it belonged to, I hope they gave it another go. Don't give up. If a garbage barge full of yo-yos and bedpans can outrun the Mexican Navy, just imagine what you and I can do. <laughs> And that is the whole story of the Mobro 4000. The saga. Yep. That's, I, I, I had heard about it. And I, I heard that the famous barge kicked off the whole recycling craze and, you know, getting our garbage fixed up because, well, we, we clearly make a lot of it. It's disgusting. Yeah. That's, but I mean, yeah, myself around included, for months. Yeah. Yeah. Down yeah. in the Gulf I've of Mexico. I've never and, heard that story. Ever. You never and heard I've anything pro- about that barge? Never. Really? And I'm sure I butchered it because like believe it or not what i just read to you is longer than any article i read (laughs) anywhere else which kind of puts into perspective the bullshit i put in (laughs) you like the fluff you're an old fluffer from way back oh man i read so much about the mob oh i I just go down like wormholes and rabbit holes of mob and garbage and everything else 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, well, I guess I'm a little more grateful about having to deal with my garbage the way I deal with it now. I mean, yeah. It takes five minutes to go to them. Yeah. This really poor bastard was, yeah, I think four months at sea. Yeah. 6,000 <sighs> miles. I was always wondering, like, what was the, I don't even know what the overall cost was, but like just to end sure up in the millions. same spot and yeah. burn it. We can just burn it in the first place. Yeah. But it did seem to have a pretty positive effect. Well, I, yeah, I, I could see that. That's a that is a good thing of a stinky situation. I didn't even use my glasses. I took them out and I just set them down. Oh, you just wanted to look cool for our viewers who did. Can't I look cool. Us? Oh yeah, really hip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> As I sit here in fucking pajamas, <laughs> wearing shorts. Uh, I got my socks half off. <clears throat> oh God, cover those feet up, dear God. Oh, I keep my think toes. You are. I'm keeping my toes covered. Uh huh. I have gross feet. Well, that was interesting. I'm, I, I know more about the, the famous floating garbage barge. That's what I wanted you to say. I, I do. I appreciate it. That was good. So, I'm on, really excited to hear this, you talk you, now. Into my story? I am really pumped. Yes. <clears throat> I'll say it. Uh, I'm going to try and keep quiet. Oh, okay. Chime in whenever you feel inclined to. How about right now? <clears throat> What's that? Nothing. Go ahead. Okay. I don't know. I still think the audio sounds weird. So when we upload this and it sounds like shit, tell us and we'll attempt. We'll to fix redo it. it. <laughs> no, we won't. You're gonna you're gonna listen to this weird audio podcast. <clears throat> All right, what do you got? When I was a young lad, living farther out in the country, long before roadside pickup of recyclables was a thing in rural areas, it was a pretty common practice to have a burn barrel for cardboard and papers. Unless you were one of the asshole neighbors who would burn plastic and everything else, and you would do it on a foggy morning so the entire valley smelled like a burnt wet diaper. <laughs> Even to this day, people still burn their cardboard and are usually considerate on when they do it, but rewind several decades ago, and people burning their garbage was an accepted form of trash removal, especially in smaller towns. <clears throat> to speak to this concept... I recall my grandfather telling me stories of burning trash in our small town when he was younger. The gaps of land all along the railroad tracks through town made a perfect spot for everyone to dump their garbage. Well, over time, it would build up so much that it would have to get burnt down. So my grandfather and his buddies would get the okay from the local fire chief on when it was safe enough to light up so it wouldn't burn out of control. And then they would torch it. That's just how they did things back. This has been like the 30s, 40s, I think. Uh, imagine trying to pull that off today. You and me just like just put, what? Putting, putting a pile of garbage down by the creek Oh, here. like between our house and the neighbor's yard? And just... <laughs> For months and months and then just burn it? Fuck it. <laughs> so, little little backstory, but today's story takes us to the small mining town of Centralia, Pennsylvania. Where's that? Central Pennsylvania? Centralia, Pennsylvania. It's over by Scranton area. Oh, so Central Pennsylvania. Okay. Centralia had been a pretty active little mining town ever since huge deposits of coal were discovered there in the mid-1850s. During its peak, it had around 3,000 residents with multiple coal mines and attached processing plants running full-time, producing some of the purest anthracite coal in the world to fuel the growing nation. That was until the early 1900s when coal lost its steam. And patrol. Yes. I like steam that. engines. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
petroleum products began to take over as the preferred fuel of the world. Uh, the town had a slight rebound during World War II, but went bust again shortly after. By 1962, the town was pretty quaint with around 1,200 residents, most of whom were salt-of-the-earth, blue-collar types who worked in local factories, mines, and construction jobs in the region. The townsfolk were all fairly tight-knit little community. Everyone knew everyone, and they all got together to enjoy any event the town put on. And this year was no different. With, <clears throat> with the Memorial Day celebrations right around the corner, on the morning of May 27, 1962, a few men from the Volunteer Fire Department were commissioned to clean up the trash at the local dump. And by cleanup, they would set the town's local landfill on fire, like we talked about. Okay. But this wasn't for methane collection. Nope, they would just burn it. Okay. They would do this every spring to keep the smell down and the vermin at bay before the summer months ahead. They would walk across heaps of trash, dousing it in gasoline, and then set it ablaze. And for fun, while it burned, the firemen and local kids would shoot all the fleeing rats with twenty-two caliber rifles. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, sharing that tale with your grandkids. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. As, as the trash burnt down and the bulk of the garbage was smoldering, the firemen would then put it out and go on about their day. But this year's annual dump burning would end a little differently. Shortly after putting the fire out, <clears throat> the flames flared up again, and the firemen returned to finish the job. But the fire was proving difficult to extinguish. So for the next two days, they would drench the dump with thousands of gallons of water, bring in machinery to push the debris around, and it wasn't until the third day when they noticed that the rocky sidewalls of the garbage pit were steaming. And some might say, it was at this moment they knew they fucked up. <clears throat> you see, at some point in someone's infinite wisdom, it was decided that the town's dump would be placed in an abandoned strip mine that was Ooh. supposed to have been capped with clay barrier, which by some accounts wasn't properly done. So what happens when you have a garbage fire on top of an abandoned coal mine? That's right. You set the fucking ground underneath your goddamn town on fire. No shit. Yep. And thus began the saga of the infamous Centralia Mine Fire. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Silent Hill, you know. Oh, the, is that what you thought I'd know about it? Yeah. It was from Silent Hill? Like the burning mine town. Always smoky. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Wasn't that... I think that's... Like, but, like it was like a portal to hell. Yeah, right? there's more to that, like to that game. So this but isn't okay. A little inspiration for the game, I believe, came from it. I didn't look into that. I'm sure that's gonna get that little lore gonna is gonna to get look butchered. Into this. I'm sure yeah. you will. Yep, I'm gonna have to look into this. So <clears throat> now, if I were to accidentally set anything on fire, I would probably let someone know as soon as it happened, especially if it was an abandoned vein of coal. Well, the I town... would deny the shit out of that. <laughs> I wouldn't tell anybody, are you well, nuts? Well, the town thought it'd be a good idea to wait two months before they good. finally mailed a... <laughs> before they finally mailed a letter to the Lehigh Valley Coal Company telling them that they had accidentally set their abandoned mine on they fire. They mailed a letter? <clears throat> yep. Once the coal company found out about the fire, they quickly went to survey the damage and brought along state and federal inspectors with them. It was determined that in the two months the fire went unchecked, it had traveled 900 feet heading straight for the town. So this is all underground? All underground, yes. Yeah, it burns. Wow. Yeah. So the, the ground is so 
rocky and porous, it can just suck. So air. it's getting there. It's okay. getting there. Okay. And not to mention, <clears throat> after learning about mines, these the mine like the the coal mines in this area were just a network of honeycombs, and they were all connected. It's not just one. You entrance. You can't just go in and blast the mine and kill all the air. No, it was like impossible. It's several entrances. Yes. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Well, now it was decided that something needed to happen before things got way out of hand. So, a speedy three months later. <laughs> wait, okay. So, yeah, wait, three yeah. months after the two, <laughs> two months? months yeah. So, it's been five yeah. months. <laughs> after, after bureaucratic bickering on who was going to flip the bill for trying to put this thing out, <laughs> things finally started to happen. So, for seven years, they dug at it, poured slurry and water into it, punched vent holes, blasted sections of ground out, and monitored the fire's progress. For two years? Seven years. Seven they did, years. They did all that for oh. seven years. <clears throat> so in 1969, as toxic fumes poured out of the earth, sections of ground started to crack, and steam rose from the rocks. It was decided that a massive trench was to be dug, and a barrier of fly ash was to be placed into the ground to cut off the fire from spreading. The whole project took until 1973 to finish and cost $2.8 million to do. And that's in... 1969 money so it's a lot with of money. inflation roughly 16 17 million oh, today shit. yeah <clears throat> so uh and it placed 123,000 tons of fly ash in the ground the project was the first to require some residents to be displaced their homes were directly in the path of the trench and they had to be leveled it's about three to four homes off the off the get-go here now, the entire time this shit show of a mine fire disaster was going on, the people in the southern part of town, which was the main impact zone, were starting to get sick. A combination of carbon monoxide, methane, and other toxic fumes were leaking into homes and making people have serious respiratory problems, lightheadedness, and flu-like symptoms. In one case, a resident's pet bird keeled over dead in the middle of the day from the gases. So oh, yeah, like, the canary in a yes, coal mine. Yes. Yeah, like people had to get mine safety equipment to keep in their homes to see when a, the you when you had enough oxygen in your own damn house. I would move. So, yeah. <clears throat> so the government began to install and monitor carbon monoxide detectors in citizens' homes to keep an eye on their health. Whole things really starting to spiral out of control. As the 1970s went on and Disco Inferno raged across the nation, <laughs> the Centralia mine fire continued to rage underground, making the townsfolk a little hot under the collar. <laughs> Beyond the various sections of caving ground and toxic steam blasting from vent pipes all over town, on one occasion in 1979, the owner of the town's only gas station was having an issue with the pumps one day. He noticed some steam coming from the ground in a vacant lot near his property. So he decided to check the temperature of his underground fuel tanks and found the gasoline in them was only 60 degrees away from boiling. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and he had like 9,000 gallons of gasoline oh underground. Oh, my God. Uh, so needless to say, the gasoline was pumped out and the station was forced to be closed forever. With the trench and fly ash barrier being a complete failure and nothing but lip service coming from state and federal officials, not much happened in terms of trying to stop the fire or coming up with some sort of a solution. The town would finally get the national attention it wanted when on February 14, 1981, 
which happens to be Valentine's Day, <clears throat> or as I call it, overrated sex day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, isn't there a My Bloody Valentine? Wasn't that in a mine? You ever see have. that? No. That's pretty good. Oh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. All right. <laughs> so, I'm totally interrupted. On that day, <clears throat> a young boy who was at his grandmother's house noticed some steam coming from the ground in the backyard. While inspecting the steam, he was suddenly sucked into the earth when a large hole opened up and swallowed the boy whole. As 300-degree steam blasted out of the hole, by some miracle, the boy was able to grab a tree root and hold himself there long enough until his friend was able to rescue him from his brush with death. That's the fucking Goonies! Right? Huh? He somehow came out almost unscathed. I watched a documentary, and this guy's obviously a grown adult now, but he was telling when he fell in, the ground was so muddy and just gnarly, he, like, instantly got covered in mud, and then the steam blasted and, like, superheated it. And when he came out, it was, like, baked onto him. You couldn't no you kidding. couldn't wash it off like the steam. It, it probably helped him. The mud turned to like a protective clay barrier. Almost, huh. I thought. So, yeah, that was fucking crazy. So, now <clears throat> having had some media attention in the past regarding the mine fire, now the spotlight was dead center on dead set. Ugh, I can't talk. Words are hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. I know. Uh, was dead center on Centralia after the sensational story of the boy escaping death reached the major news networks around the globe. Some would think this would be good to finally get some recognition, but the townspeople began to fracture due to the newfound attention. Was that a pun? Fracture? Uh, or am I just reaching for him? You're going for it Because now, the ground's yeah. cracking? Yeah, that's... Uh, sure, I'll give it to you. All right, good. I'll give it to you. You wrote it. Nice job. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, Now, some of the people wanted to be left alone, even denying that the fire was a problem, and that most of the issues were manufactured lies from townspeople. Yeah. Like, the people in the northern northern part of town, it barely even affected. They couldn't see it? Exactly. So, and the other group, um, let's see, and the other group who embraced the national attention began forming committees to bring uh, more awareness to the problem and to lobby government officials for more help. The most notable group was the Concerned Citizens Action Group Against the Centralia Mine Fire, or for short, the CCAGATCMF. Oh, yeah, that just rolls right <laughs> off the tongue. Are these the same shitbird yokels that were shooting all the rats? Some might have been. <laughs> so the actions of the Concerned Citizens didn't go unnoticed, and they would finally get some assistance at state and federal levels. In 1981, the government agreed to do a borehole project that cost $850,000 to help the townspeople try and pinpoint where the fire was and determine which way it was moving. But by the time the project was completed in 1983, the town had pretty much had enough of the whole thing and was starting to accept defeat. They became more focused on an exit strategy than continuing to battle the fire, or each other for that matter. The disdain between the attention grabbers and the deniers came to a head when one member of the CCAGATCMF. How do you spell that? <laughs> when a member of the Concerned Citizens' local business was firebombed in retaliation. Jesus. Yeah. So a referendum was put in to go to a vote. And after the election, the townspeople decided that packing up and leaving their hometown was the best option. 
So after 21 years of a raging mine fire, burning underground, the toxic gases leaching into people's houses, vent pipes spewing hot sulfurous steam, leveled homes, pavement splitting, ground collapsing, friendship shattered, bureaucratic incompetence, and governmental inefficiencies, the people of Centralia would finally receive a $42 million fund from the government to relocate and start new lives somewhere else. But there were holdouts. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, right? Well, the, the, like I said, the northern part of the town oh, yeah, really right. was, wasn't affected that bad back then. Um, so, but yeah, they, they got this money and there was the holdouts. They refused to leave their town and said the fire wasn't that bad and so they stayed. A decade later in 1993, there were still roughly 80 residents in the town. And the governor of Pennsylvania finally came down with an eminent domain order and forced more people out. But even after that, some people wouldn't leave. And the people who stayed, by law, technically became squatters in their own homes. Over the years, the original holdouts have passed away or trickled out of town, and only about five people remain today. They're Almo still there. Yep. Almost all the houses and buildings are gone, having been demolished by the government leaving only curbed streets and open land. It truly is a town that doesn't exist anymore. Like, if you get on Google Earth, I suggest doing it. It's, I will. It's bizarre. And there's a... What's the land look like now? It's just like, flat land. just looks normal. Yeah, the section in where the fire started, there's, like, heaps of dirt and everything else. But the, <clears throat> the thing that's famous with this is they call it Graffiti Highway, which just got covered up this year, a big section of highway that used to stretch right next to the town. Yeah. Well, the mine fire was burning under it and splitting the ground up. Okay. Like breaking the pavement. So they had to cut it off entirely and pave new highway around the town. No shit. So people would go to this highway and spray paint graffiti all over it. Uh, so that's a famous thing today. But it just got covered up this year, like with dirt, because the new owners... We're having too much trespassing and everything else. So, so there's just like five people that live, live in, in this barren, yep, barren looking neighborhood area. And all that turmoil was brought on by a burning pile of garbage. So, next time some neighborhood cats knock over your trash can and you have to clean up your garbage from the street, just be grateful you didn't destroy the entire town and ruin hundreds of people's lives in the process. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> a little burning trash did the That's Centralia incredible. mine fire. I've never heard that. Really? Ever. You've nope. Never I've never heard, heard anything that. about that. I don't that? know. And maybe No, I don't think so. And you remember we went to that anthracite museum mm -hmm. in, in Scranton. In Scranton. Yeah. And it's not far from Scranton, right? No, it's that region has some of the purest anthracite in the world because uh it's so old and so carbon rich. That the veins of coal, they aren't just they don't just go flat with the ground. They're so old they follow the contours of the hills in the area. So that's okay. why these fires, when once they start burning, they they might only be, you know, right toward the surface of the damn earth, like twenty feet below the ground. So there's cave-ins and shit collapsing all over. And it burned for twenty-one years. It's still burning today. Yeah, it's still burning today, and it's starting to spread. It's moving out of town. It's heading toward other towns, and they think it could take decades, even a century, to burn out. So there's nothing they can do about it. They can't put not, it out. Not really, no. They're no, just going to let it go until it's done. Yep, that's all they can do. Because 
like I said, the coal industry just completely took a shit. So there's still, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of tons of coal in these in the ground that hasn't been taken out. Nobody's taken it out. Yeah. Yeah. And another issue they ran into when they were trying to put it out was they had these networks of mine areas figured out where the you know actual coal companies came in and had these mines. Well, when coal would take a shit and it would collapse, uh, the people in the area would literally start digging their own bootleg mines. So there's mines that aren't, you know, registered or aren't located. Some of the people even had bootleg mines. They were finding them attached to their basement of their houses. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. So, But, but the problem was you have this mine shaft that's attached to your basement. All of a sudden, if it's on fire, your house is just getting bombarded with fumes of burning coal. That's yeah. incredible. Huh. It was, it was the book I read. It was, I mean, it was kind of sad. Uh, what was the name of the book? Uh, it was called The Day the Earth Caved In by Joan Quigley. And it was good. It was good, yeah. It was, it was a pretty quick read. But uh, now, in her book, she said that the, the fire started from the day before someone dumped hot ashes in the dump. But it, the fire department did set the dump on fire that year. So, if it was the ashes or the department, either way, the dump caught on fire that day. Like the garbage. And either way, they didn't do anything about it. No, it immediately. was immediately. No, I, initially there was reports that it could have got dug out for a thousand dollars because it was that close. Like it just would have had you just would have had to get on it right then. But no, yeah, they just kind of weren't too worried about it. And <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, do <laughs> these five remaining people? Do they still burn trash there today? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. If you're from Centralia and you yeah, oh, still burn your yeah. trash, let us know. Yeah, hop or if on you're our still Instagram. Rats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's not out of the question that somebody from Centralia is listening because oh, can we do a shout out to who? You don't remember? I don't. Our most far flung listener we got a new one but go on yes there's like 12 people listen no, to like this. one person probably listen to this podcast well i mean all around oh yeah and one of them is from singapore yep pretty pup so if you're listening to this and you can speak english good for you man thanks. or thanks lady for thanks for listening yes tell yeah. everyone else in singapore I, I checked again and we have one person i believe in germany oh and the rest is north america so did I, I think it anything? even just I think it even says the US. It doesn't even say Canada. <laughs> oh. Did I see anything about German people? They you said have? you're part German. Okay. Oh yeah. So. But you're you're mostly Italian. That's how you get away to get away By with saying, saying that stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Must be nice. You know, you can talk about <laughs> Irish people. Why would I do that? That's just mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a mean guy. Can you point out Singapore? Uh, on a map? in asia it is i don't know if it's mainland on the continent or if it's a i don't know i'd don't have know to either. i didn't need a map but so yes garbage as That's much it. of a, as much of a problem as it might be in your life just it's be, not that big a deal yeah, just relax just, just, take your shit to the dump yeah Stop recycle if you can it. yeah don't i recycle yeah just again try not to complain about every little thing in your life and oh yeah speaking of which yes. can i talk about what we're going to we got a new project we're oh, going to yes. try out. For uh, for the next episode, 
We <laughs> believe it or not, we, we talked about this before, even so. With the full time jobs, <laughs> getting a little trying to put an episode out every two weeks. So, we're going to do something different here in a couple weeks. Um, most of this is going to be about obviously difficult situations yeah, and how, it, how and it relates to a first world problem, hardships, but and the like. A lighter side of things and a little hope of humanity, I think, yeah, would be what we're shooting for and do a short episode and just talk about something good something positive in the modern some time new, yep stories yeah. current stories that aren't horrible <laughs> most of the news so <laughs> that don't make you feel like a as big a piece of shit but we'll still just hopefully help you realize like hey i've been yeah, enjoying just reading about more pretty good positive stuff lately it helps it makes you feel a little better yeah um cory named it what are, you, what are we going to call it? I think, well, I, I was thinking tough shit. Uh, welcome to tough shit. This is an episode of soft serve. Yes. Which but, sounds like ice cream. Yes. So if you guys don't like it, tell us and we might not change it <laughs> or do something. I don't it know. sounds better than I, can't, I said soft shit. And then, <laughs> as soon as he said that, I just pictured stepping in soft. Well, yeah, Corey like, and my dad yeah. both thought it sounded like diarrhea. I just thought it sounded like <laughs> ice cream. But yeah. Uh, look forward so, to the first episode, hopefully, of Tough Shit Soft Served in a couple weeks. Two weeks, yeah. And then we're going to have a very special treat for you. We are. In December. Yes. You'll never guess what it is. You can probably guess. Yeah, you it's can in December. probably but. guess. <laughs> can we wrap this up? I think that's it. So, Let's not keep going on. Yeah. Again, if uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you have Instagram, check us out over there, TS Podcast Official. Tell all your friends and share this and... Hope uh, hope you enjoy it and hope helps you make uh, makes your day a little brighter and realize you probably don't have it that bad. No, I hope you learned something yes. too. I hope you got something Get out of something out of it. Yeah, yeah. Our have attempts a at fun. writing a story. Yeah, <laughs> words are hard. This <laughs> oh my god. So, all, all right. right, that's it. We'll that's see you guys it. in a couple weeks. See you on the next one. Bye. Bye bye.